house tonight. Amen. And I appreciate this opportunity to be here. Amen. And I enjoyed the good singing thus far. And uh, man, I'm going to tell you what, I love to hear mom sing, but I love to hear her sing the song she sung tonight. Amen. And uh, it was great. The choir singing, man, has always knocked it out of the ballpark. And the special singing, and uh, man, I enjoyed every bit of it. Amen. I enjoyed this great missionary, um, their testimony about New York, excited about what the Lord's going to do there for them. And uh, man, your pastor is one of my heroes. Matter of fact, in just a few weeks, he'll be up on the mountain with us at Amazing Grace. I'm looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to having him a couple nights in August. Brother Pope will be with us one night in our awesome August. I'm looking forward to that and uh, just excited about what the Lord's doing. Amen. God is good to us and uh, we're not deserving of his mercy and his grace, but I sure am thankful for it. Amen. Let's take our Bibles, go to the book of Matthew tonight. I'll give you a simple thought out of here. Matthew chapter number 27 tonight, Matthew chapter number 27, and I'll read just two verses to you tonight, give you a little thought, and we'll go home, amen, I appreciate mom riding up with us and my wife, and um, the girls wanted to go to our church tonight, and I can't fuss at them because I preach all the time to be faithful to your church, and um, they have their buddies there, and then Victoria, our youngest one, um, didn't want to miss Discovery Bible Club tonight, she loves going to Discovery Bible Club on Wednesday night, so. Um, I told them they could stay there and um, I appreciate um, Brother Dakota, one of the missionaries out of our church. He's taking care of our service tonight and um, boy, I'm thankful for that. Amen. Matthew chapter number 27. If you found your place, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. I'll read two verses to you. Pray. Then you can be seated tonight. I'll give you a little thought and then we'll go home and get something to eat. Amen. Bible said in verse number 45, of Matthew 27, verse number 45 says this, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land uh, unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, why Hast thou forsaken me? Father, I love you tonight. Lord, I appreciate this privilege and this opportunity, God, to come into your house tonight. And God, get to do what you've called us to do, and that is to preach. Father, I thank you for the great singing, God. Father, Lord, the great move around the altar that we've already experienced. But, Father, I'm standing in a place uh, where in the arm of the flesh I'll do nothing but fail tonight. So for a little while, I pray, God, that you'd but clothe me in the cloak of my calling, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd breathe on us for a little while. God, preach us in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God tonight. Father, we need you. Lord, if we've ever needed you, uh, God, we need you in this hour. And God, I pray that we would get understanding from your word tonight. God, may our hearts be challenged uh, in the message tonight. God, we'll be careful to give you the praise. Uh, we'll give you the glory. Say that sinner closest to hell. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, 
and amen. You can be seated tonight. When we come to this passage of Scripture, it is known uh, as one of the seven sayings of the cross. Matter of fact, uh, it is the fourth saying uh, that we find that Jesus utters from the cross of Calvary. You'll find that the first three sayings that Jesus speaks uh, at Calvary is dealing uh, with others. I don't know about you, but I find that very interesting in his dying moments of his life. uh, He is concerned with others. Matter of fact, uh, the very first thing that he says uh, is, Father, forgive them, uh, for they know not what they do. Now, what about that? Uh, There's been an angry mob that has just crucified him, uh, that has put him on trial, that has beaten him, uh, according to Psalms 22, beyond recognition that they didn't even know that he was a man hanging there uh, if you had not been there when the beating took place. And yet he cries out his very first words is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What passion and what compassion that he shows on Calvary. When we come to this fourth saying, it is the only one that is recorded in more than one of the Gospels. You'll also find it in the book of Mark. And Jesus cries out in this fourth saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatni, which is interpreted to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As I began to think about this, and of course this Easter season, I began to think about this, and I dealt with some of this on Sunday night at our church, but as we began to think about this, I think about one word in this, and I'm not going to deal a great deal with it, but it is that word why that we find there. You know, so many times we have been taught and um, we've been told down through the years and we've heard it preached even down through the years and I'm not critiquing anybody. I'm just giving you my heart tonight. But we hear people say, well, we can't ask God why. And if we ask God why, then we are sinning. Well, if that is the case, then the blood of Jesus is not sufficient tonight because Jesus Christ himself said, why hast thou forsaken me? Can I say to you tonight, there's nothing wrong with having a conversation with God. That is what Jesus is doing right here. He acknowledges him as God. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I want you to hear me and hear me well. There will be times in this life that the sun will not always be shining. There will be times when it is darkness in our life and the storm begins to rage in our life And there's absolutely nothing wrong with sitting down with God and having a conversation. It becomes sin when we falsely accuse God, when we angrily get bitter at God, and we point our face in the face or our finger in the face of God and falsely accuse Him. That's when it becomes sin. When we come to this place in Jesus' life, he's 33 and a half years old. And I'm not going to take time to deal with his whole life, but we do know this, that Jesus uh, was the God-man. Can I say that again? I believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe in the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. God was or Jesus was incarnated. He was God incarnated in the man. He was as much flesh as I am flesh but he was as much God as God is God. Can I illustrate that to you just real quickly? 
you remember the story when the disciples was in a ship. They were sailing in, in the midst of their sailing, a great storm took place. And the water even began to fill the boat. And they began to cry out for Jesus and someone found him. And he was asleep on a pillow. They was in very fear of their life. It was the storm that they thought was going to destroy them. And Jesus shows his deity in that he is asleep in the midst of that storm. But when Jesus, or Jesus shows his humanity in that he's asleep. But when Jesus stepped out and said, peace be still, and the waves ceased, and there was a calmness upon the sea, in that very moment we see the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the story in John chapter number 11, don't you? In John chapter number 11, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus is sick and they sin for Jesus and Jesus ends up coming four days later. They thought he was late, but he was right on time. But you remember what John eleven thirty five 35 said, don't you? I mean, everybody can quote John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. A lot of people says that he was weeping because of their lack of faith. I personally don't believe that. I believe that he was weeping because Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was his buddy. He was human just like you and I. Lazarus was his friend. He loved Lazarus and he also was weeping with Mary and Martha, man. I can just see him as he rolls up as the pastor getting out of the car, if I can put it in our day. And he walks up and slides his arm around them and begins to cry with them because their loved one is dead. His loved one is dead. There is his humanity. Oh, but just a few verses over, he steps out in the graveyard and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus steps out of a tomb. There was his deity at that moment. So when we come to Calvary, we must understand that there is God, but there is man hanging on Calvary. I believe that we could safely say that this is the darkest day in the life of Jesus. Not only because darkness was upon the face of the earth, but I really believe that we can say this is the greatest storm that Jesus ever goes through. And with that thought in mind, I want to look at what he said in this storm and give you just a simple little thought on the message in his saying during the storm. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Number one tonight, I see the scripture in the message. I see the scripture in the message, stay with me. This saying was fulfillment of Scripture. The Scripture fulfilled is Psalms 22.1, which begins with the words of the fourth saying, My God, my God, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalms 22 gives many details uh, of the crucifixion. Besides the cry from the cross in Psalms 22.1, there's the mention of such things uh, as the mockers in Psalms 22.6, the description of the physical abuse 
use in Psalms 22, 14. The parting of the garment in Psalms 22, 18. And the piercing of his hands and his feet in Psalms 22, 16. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, they was prophesying that the ultimate sacrifice would come one day. A man named Jesus would show up on the scene. And this man named Jesus would be crucified for your sins and for my sins. You see the scripture in this saying right here is prophecy being fulfilled. It's not an accident that Jesus is saying what he is saying. It's not an accident that Jesus is going through the storm that Jesus is going through. You see the scripture in this message is saying to us today that the fulfillment of prophecy over and over and over and over again at the crucifixion wasn't a mistake but that God was still on his throne and God was still in control of what was happening that day. You see when that storm comes in your life you must remember that it has not taken God by surprise but God is still in control. That crucifixion and this saying is a reminder to us that God still had everything under control. Sometimes we think in our mind that Calvary was an afterthought to God. Calvary was not an afterthought to God. Jesus was, or God was not sitting on his throne at Calvary wondering what the next step was. Man, thousands of years before Calvary, it was prophesied that Jesus would say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is showing us tonight, church, that God was still in control. Number two tonight, I not only see the scripture in the message, I see the separation in the message. The separation in the message. This cry speaks of separation from the presence of God. Sin separates us from God. Can I say that again? Sin separates us from God. For the wages of sin is a spiritual separation. It is a spiritual death. The wages of sin also is death. Amen. That's the reason we're dying today. If Adam and Eve had never sinned in the garden, they'd still be alive today. Amen. You remember the story, don't you? God created man and he created lady. He created them for the purpose of fellowship. He wanted to fellowship with them. He wanted to walk with them in the cool of the day. Everything else that God created in creation, God created from a distance whenever you study it out. He spoke the worlds into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be water, and there was water. He made everything else from a distance. But when it come to man, it was a different story. You see, when it come to man, God reached down 
into the dirt and formed man out of the clay of the ground and formed him in his own likeness. And then what did the Bible say that God do? That God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Hear me and hear me well. You cannot breathe into somebody from a distance. From a distance. I remember years ago when we used to, and I used to be a CPR instructor, I remember years ago when we used to teach mouth-to-mouth before the bag valve mask. And you know what? If you was going to do mouth-to-mouth CPR on somebody, you couldn't do it from a distance. God did not create man from a distance. It was an intimate relationship. It was a personal relationship. And he breathed the breath of life into him because he wanted to fail fellowship with them, wanted to walk with them in the cool of the day. But what happened in the book of Genesis chapter number 3? Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and because of that, the Bible said that their eyes was open, and they hid themselves in the cool of the day, and they made those coats out of leaves and tried to cover themselves, and God came and said, Adam, where art thou? It wasn't because God didn't know where Adam was at. It was because God wanted Adam to realize where he was at. And you know what happened that day? God was not able to fellowship with man because of what? It was because of sin. It was because of sin. What did God do? God made coats of skin and covered them that day. And then their their relationship and their fellowship was put back together and was restored. Why? Because of the sacrifice that God made that day. But on Calvary when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Our little infinite minds can't understand what I'm fixing to say. But in eternity past, there had never been separation from God the Father and God the Son. But now on Calvary, there is a separation that takes place. Why? Because of sin. Now you remember the story when you go on into the book of Genesis in the story of Cain and Abel. The Lord said this in Genesis 4, 14. From thy face shall I be hid. The great judgment against sin of separation from God is expressed by Paul when he said this in 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? You see, there was a separation took place that day that had never been. God the Father and God the Son was separated because of sin. Number three tonight, I'm headed somewhere, stay with me. Not only do we see the scripture in the message, not only do you see the separation in the message, but number three tonight, I want you to see with me the suffering in the message. The suffering in the message. Boy, when we think about this, I read some things. Let me read something to you. This was indeed a most agonizing cry. These are the words of unequaled pathos. They marked the climax of his suffering. The soldiers had cruelly mocked him. They had arrayed him with a crown of thorns. They had scourged and buffeted him. They even went so far as to spit upon him and to pluck out his hair. They despoiled him of his garments and put him to an open shame. Yet he suffered it all 
in silence. They pierced his hands and his feet. He did, uh, yet he, yet did he endure the cross, despising the shame. The vulgar crowd taunted him, and the thieves which were crucified with him flung the same taunts into his face. Yet he opened not his mouth. In response to all that he suffered at the hands of men, not a cry escaped his lips. But now, as the concentrated wrath of heaven descends upon him, and he is separated from his Father, he cries out, My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? This cry therefore underscores the fact that the suffering from the loss of the presence of God was his greatest suffering. This explains the great agony of the prayer in Gethsemane. There Christ was not cowering before the physical suffering. That was minor compared to the spiritual suffering of the loss of God's presence. There was the cup that Christ dreaded drinking. It was the cup of separation. And it was the utmost suffering that Christ would suffer that day. The separation of God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? And again, our minds can't comprehend this, but God and Jesus had never in eternity past been separated. Had never in eternity past been separated. But now on Calvary, they are separated. Now on Calvary, God turns his back on the only begotten son that he has. I see the suffering in the message. I see the separation in the message. I see the scripture in the message. But can I show you this? I'm about right now done. I see the substitute in the message. I see the substitute in the message. I don't know about you, but... I like that word substitute. You know what that means? That means I wasn't the one there. You know what that means? That means I wasn't the one suffering the wrath of God that day. You know what that means? That means that I wasn't the one that was suffering the separation from God that day. The substitute in the message. Why did Christ suffer the terrible experience of separation from God's presence? The answer is that he was taking our place on the cross of Calvary. God is holy and therefore must punish sin. But God is also merciful. And therefore infinite wisdom devised a way whereby justice might be satisfied. And mercy left free to flow out to lost and guilty sinners. Can I say that to you again? But God is also merciful and therefore infinite wisdom devised a way whereby justice might be satisfied and mercy left free to flow out to lost and guilty sinners. You see, you and I was underneath a curse all the way back from Genesis chapter number 3 we was all born sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God hear me and hear me well each one of us deserved to be on Calvary that day 
Each one of us deserved a separation from God that day. Each one of us deserved a suffering at the hand of an angry God as all of his wrath was unleashed upon sin that day. Oh, but is there anybody else thankful that we had a substitute? Somebody stepped in and said they don't have to die. They don't have to suffer the punishment. They don't have to be separated from God. I will take their place. There was a substitute that day. I thought about I thought about this, and I'll give you one more thing, and we'll go home. But I thought about this. I mean, you can see that clock, man. My daddy could see that clock. My daddy has a clock just like that on his nightstand. You walk into his room at dark, and it's like, I don't know how in the world him and my mama sleep. Okay, come back. Let me finish preaching. I thought about the Bible said the gospel was preached unto Abraham. You remember the story of Abraham and Isaac. God or Abraham took Isaac upon the mountain and sacrificed him that day. And, and it wasn't, you know this if you know your Bible, but it wasn't just that, that, that Abraham was going to kill Isaac that day. It was so much more than that. When you study that burnt offering out, that's what that was. When you study that out, Abraham was not just killing Isaac. But Abraham was going to fillet Isaac off the bone. And Abraham was going to burn Isaac. That It was a burnt offering. It was a burnt sacrifice that he was making that day. Abraham gets Isaac tied down on the altar. When he gets Isaac tied down on the altar takes that knife and comes back. I don't know about you, but I, I try to walk up that hill and, and set on the side. Matter of fact, it's the same hill that Jesus went up when you study it out. I try to walk up that hill and set on the side of that, that, that altar and see what's happening. I, I just, I, I'm a very visual person and, 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 and I can just see Isaac, as he's laying there that day, and, and Abraham comes back with that knife, and he's fixing to kill his son, and to fillet his son, and to burn his son. All of a sudden, we know the story. There's a substitute. There is a substitute. God provided a ram that day, and Abraham cuts his son off the altar. And I thought in my mind, what is... The first thing that Abraham said, I'm sure that, that, have you ever had that just overwhelming moment when you couldn't say nothing but cry? I'm sure that's the way Abraham was initially. No doubt, man. Tears burst out of his eyes and he grabs his boy and maybe they dance about in glee. And you say, now preacher, they didn't dance. In a, but you better study. Miriam broke out with a timbrel and a dance and the other women behind him in Exodus chapter number 15. And you better look over about David because he danced and then they said something to him. And he said, if you thought that was something, you wait till tomorrow. I'm going to dance. Either. I'll embarrass myself tomorrow. Matter of fact, I preached two, a Sunday morning and a Sunday night on dancing not long ago at our church. 
That's truth, isn't it, Miss Leslie? I preached on David and I preached on Miriam dancing before the Lord. Maybe Abraham grabs Isaac, man, and they cut about in a holy dance. And the first words maybe that run out of Abraham's mouth is something like this. Hey, son, you don't have to burn. Son, you don't have to burn. Can I say something? When Jesus cries out on Calvary that day, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what he was saying to us? You don't have to burn. A substitute substitute has been provided. You don't have to burn. Oh, I see the substitute in the message. I'll show you one more thing and I'm done. I see the scripture in the message, the separation, the suffering, the substitute. But I see this in closing tonight. I see the steadfastness in the message. You, you, you remember those verses, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord. Boy, we need that in this day. May we not wobble on the shaft, man. Brother Cox said, I was talking to him on the phone the other day. I'm telling you, he's one of my heroes, man. I was talking to him on the phone the other day, and here's what he said, Pastor. He said, um, you know, Brother, Brother Barker? I said, yes, sir, Pastor. He said it'd be bad to fumble the ball at the one-yard line, wouldn't it? That's what he said. He said, I'm at the one-yard line. He said, in my age and my ministry, he said, I'm at, he said it'd be real bad to fumble the ball at the one-yard line. Boy, I, I, it's wrote down on my desk on a sticky note beside my computer. It says, it'd be bad to fumble the ball on the one-yard line. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord. Jesus is in the storm of his life. Remember, he's the God-man, but he is a man. He's in the storm of his life. And, and at this moment is the darkest moment in his earthly life. His own father has turned his back on him. He's now separated from his father. God couldn't look upon sin. He had to turn his back on it. And here is the statement. Is it okay if somebody starts playing softly, preacher? Is that okay? Just whoever you want. Here is the statement that is made at Jesus' lonely, darkest valley in his life. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? I've thought about that and I've thought about that. And you say, preacher, how do you get steadfastness in that? Note what he says. My God, my God. Jesus never wavered on who he was. He was still, he's called him father up to this moment. He's called him father up to this moment. Calls him God right here. Because at that moment, he was no more father. He was his judge. He was judging him for the sin of you and the sin of me. At any given moment, he could have called 10,000 angels. And they would have come down and got him. At any moment, he could have condemned all of us to hell. And he'd have went back to heaven. And he'd have been justified in doing it. But in his darkest moment... He did not waver. He was steadfast. 
He said he's still God. Even though, even though, and again, again, it's hard for me to wrap my hand around my mind around all this. He's still flesh. He's still flesh. He feels everything that he's been through. He feels the agony. And you know, sometimes loneliness is worse than a physical pain. He feels every every stripe that he's taken. Forty stripes save one was the custom. That was the custom. Personally, I believe that they went beyond that. When you study Roman laws of crucifixion, every Roman law of crucifixion was broken at the trial of Jesus. So why would they have kept that one? I personally believe they tried to kill him on the scourging post, but they couldn't. They couldn't. They beat him till his bowels gushed from within. They couldn't kill him. He gave up the ghost himself. But in the darkest moment of his life, maybe, maybe the words of Job came back to him. In Job 13, where he said this, even though, and I'm not quoting it verbatimly, even though if he slay me, even though if he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So when you get to that, I said this at the beginning, let me say it again. The sun's not always going to shine. To preach, I don't want to hear that. Well, I'm just being honest with you. The darkest day of my life may be on my voicemail on my phone when I walk out of here. Let's just be real, man. I've been involved in emergency service and law enforcement for, for 25 years. The darkest day of my life may be on my voicemail when I walk out of here. But you know what I got to remember? He's still my God. And he's never made a mistake. And he never will. Calvary was not a mistake. The agony that Jesus faced was not a mistake. And he never forgot who God was. Are you glad that we had a substitute? Somebody that took our place. But let's remember the example that he laid for us. He did say, why have you forsaken me? But he never forgot who God was. When the wind starts blowing... And it seems that he's nowhere around. I promise you standing somewhere in the shadows. You'll find him. He's not went nowhere. Revival's great. Man, we, 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 we get so encouraged in help. But the truth of the matter is there's still storms along the way. And we got to remember, he's still our steadfastness. He's still our God. Father, as the pastor comes to give the remaining of the invitation, and we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, you know the need of this service. And I pray, God, that you would meet it as only you can. Preacher. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. Maybe you're going through the storm in your life. 
Maybe Satan has come and tried to get you to doubt. Maybe he's tried to get you to be embittered against the Lord, against somebody. And tonight, God's dealt with your heart and you just come. You just come tonight. Just find your place around this old-fashioned altar. That's right. Folks are coming. And you'd say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand the storm. But I know that you're still God. And I'm so thankful that, that we've learned this week that you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. And even in those times when it seems like things aren't fair and things aren't right, God, I know you've got a perfect plan, a perfect purpose. Let me ask a, a question or two tonight. How many are here tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed and you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know for sure that I would go to heaven. If that's you tonight as a testimony, we'd just slip your hand up right now. Thank the Lord. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Is there one here tonight, anywhere, anywhere in this crowd, and you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven, and I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere tonight? I can pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up? Let me remember you tonight. Is there one? God bless you. Thank you so much. Is there another? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up? Let me pray for you tonight. I'm going to ask our personal workers if they just slip out quietly and make their way to the front up here, up here tonight. Can I ask you a question with heads bowed and eyes closed? Nobody looking around just for a minute. And I won't single you out. I promise you that. But I wonder how many may be here tonight. You'd say, Brother Pope, I know that I'm saved. I've already raised my hand as a testimony to that. But preacher, I'm not necessarily where I need to be with the Lord right now. I am saved. I can take you back to the time and the place. But I'm really not where I need to be with Christ. And if that's you, with nobody looking, nobody looking, if that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Who else? Preacher, God bless you. Preacher, I'm saved, but not really where I need to be with the Lord. Would you pray for me? God bless you. Who else? Who else? Preacher, it's me. It's me. Pray for me tonight. Pray for me. I'm going to ask you right now if God's dealt with your heart about salvation or rededication, or if you're here tonight and you're going through a storm, Hey, would you just right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, right before I pray, would you just go ahead and step out right now and come? Would you come right now and just find your place around this altar and do business with the Lord right now? Would you do that? Would you do it? Would you do it? Just step out and come tonight and let, let the Lord become your Savior tonight. Would you do that? Would you come tonight and rededicate your life to Christ right now? Would you come? Father, I pray that you'll bless. Lord, thank you for these that have gathered around the altar tonight. And God, I don't know all that's going on. And boy, I'm so glad I don't have to know. But Lord, I'm glad you do know. And so Lord, I'm so glad, Lord, that Brother Barker has reminded us tonight that you're a personal God, a personal Savior. And Heavenly Father, I pray you deal in a very personal way tonight. Father, you know the burdens. You know the storms. 
You know the needs. God, right now, I pray that you deal in a very personal way. Father, I pray for these that have raised their hands and said they're not sure about heaven. Lord, help this night, April the 13th, 2022. God, I pray would be the night that they give their heart life to Jesus. Father, those that need to rededicate their life to Christ or Lord, whatever it may be. Maybe there's somebody here tonight and Lord, a trial has come, a, a, a valley has come and, and Lord, uh, Lord, they, they, they didn't even mean to, but they, they, they sort of got indifferent with the things of the Lord. And maybe they backed off in their Christian life or maybe they lost their joy. Lord, tonight I pray you'd help them to come right now. Father, help them to come. Work in hearts, we pray. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to pause just for a minute. Preacher's been kind. Listen, and preach long tonight. But if you need to come, listen. Boy, now's a good, now's a good time. You say, Pastor, this Sunday's Easter. I'm going to make a decision on Easter. Well, I'll tell you something. We may celebrate Easter in heaven. We don't know we'll make it back Sunday. We're making plans accordingly, but truth of the matter is, we have no idea. You say, well, you trying to say the Lord may come? Could. But even if he doesn't come, we still have no guarantee that you'll be here. Or I'll be here. And if there's a decision you need to make, listen, why don't you step out tonight? Would you come while we wait? We're going to sing this little chorus tonight. Altars are still open. I appreciate those that have used the altars tonight. But if you are here this evening, God's dealing with your heart. You need to come. We've got some folks up here with a Bible. And they'll be glad to meet you and pray with you, help you tonight. And so you come while we wait. We're going to sing this little chorus. It says, His name is wonderful. Let's sing it together tonight. Amen. Here we go. Ready? Sing it, church. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name wonderful Jesus let's sing it one more time sing it here we go ready his name is wonderful his name is wonderful his name is wonderful Jesus my Lord he the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus mine. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? If you're watching by way of live stream tonight, there's a number on the bottom of your screen, 704-327-5662. And that's a designated line just for you tonight.
And we have some folks that are waiting by the phone right now. And if you're watching this broadcast and you've got a need, if you're watching this evening and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I know I need to be saved. God's been dealing with my heart about that for a while. Hey, listen, if you'll call right now, just call that number. And we have some folks that will pick up. And they would love to, to give you the gospel and share Christ with you. And then if you're watching this broadcast tonight and you've got a heavy, heavy burden on your heart and you say, Brother Pope, I don't even think I can make it another day. The burden that I'm going through right now, I I, I don't think I can make it another day. Hey, listen, why don't you call that number right now? And I'll promise you this, we've got somebody that will pray with you. They'll pray with you right now. Would you call us? Would you call us? We're going to bring this thing to a close. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here tonight and there's still a move that you need to make, why don't you slip out right now? Preacher, I don't know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Man, oh man, what in the world's holding you back? I promise you, there's nothing, there is nothing worth missing Jesus. Nothing worth missing heaven. It could be before this night is out, God's going to call us home. Are you ready? Are you ready? Preacher, I'm not ready. I'm going to ask Brother Abel if he'll just play through this stanza. This next stanza is just for you. If nobody comes, we're going to end it up. But if, if you're here tonight, God's dealing. I want you to come right now. While he plays, you come. Would you come? Father, you know the needs. God, give them faith. Father, help them right now. Give them courage. Thank you for reminding us that you're God tonight. Lord, have your way. Oh, God, have your way tonight, please.